All right, it is Wednesday. Happy to bring you another edition of WeatherWise, the podcast for the meteorologist here at 47 ABC WMDT. Join, me, uh, join with me again this week is meteorologist Jake Grant, uh, the newest member of our storm team here at 47 ABC. And uh, Jake, before we get into the craziness of the weather, as we record this on a Tuesday, Monday evening, was a big deal for some parts of Delmarva. But um, you've been on the morning show now for a couple of days. I think we officially announced that you are our new morning and new meteorologist. So thought I'd check in with you and see how things are going, because I know between the two of us, we've been basically covering uh, all hours of the day, literally, 12-hour shifts, right? Yeah, and it's basically been uh, our weekends where me and you were supposed to have off on the same day has been the days where we've had weather, unfortunately. Yep. But that's just the way things go, and it's better to be here than to not be here. So it's just worked out funny that way that it's the one day me and you were sp- both supposed to have off, and it's been the most active day, I guess, the last three weeks. But I've been enjoying the morning show. It's fun, you know hanging out with Jordy and stuff. We got a good like vibe going, so it'll be right. it'll be fun and you know, already like breaking the little bit of I guess the personality stuff and being more outgoing and st- just messing around and stuff so hey you got to yeah, do anything good. you can to stay awake that early in the morning yeah right? well the funny thing is i'm actually awake that early it's the noon that i'm falling asleep for that's the one where i'm ready to go to bed and get, get your nap get, in. yeah the noon's the drag the morning one's actually not as bad i found it's just once you get to that little wall in the middle of the day it's a rough rough patch yeah it, it's tough i, I was yeah. morning meteorologist for many years before i moved into the chief role and who um you know, early wake-up calls, trying not to get the nap in before the noon so you could get back on your sleep schedule. It just didn't really, didn't really work out. But I think you're a little more built for this than I am because now that I'm on the evening shift, I'm a yeah. night owl on mm. the evening shift here. Like, I'll go to bed at 2, 3 in the morning, no big deal. So. Yeah, I mean, I used to do that in college, and but I always worked early at home during my other job. So I guess I kind of am used to it. But the key, like you said, is not taking a nap because for me, I can't take a two-hour nap. I will just be asleep for the whole time. Hours. Yeah, I go to sleep. When I go to sleep, it's for eight hours pretty much. Like very rarely can I take a two-hour nap. If I fall asleep, I'm out for six, eight hours. Yeah, I feel yeah. you on that. And, I mean, a Monday evening was a good example of, like, what happens when you and me might, you know, one of us might be off. But, uh, you know, if there's bad weather happening, we're following it. So, like, mm-hmm. on these weekends we've come in, I mean, we would have been following the weather anyway. So we yeah. came in to cover it. But... Monday evening, just after 7 o'clock, supercell thunderstorm crossing the bay. I'm here in the storm center tracking. I'm getting some texts from you um, as you're taking a look at the velocity data on the radar of that wind that was coming out of that storm. Yeah, I saw that uh, me and you kind of talked. It was more of a downburst signature, but I knew there was definitely something because it was warned already. And I was like, all right, that's like a very big anomaly something's probably going to get warned even if it's not spinning just due to the fact of the winds um, and dealing with that MCV uh, mesosail convective uh, vortexes that they mentioned in the area forecast discussion and stuff that kind of led me to believe that it probably was going to get tornado warned and then within 15 minutes uh, it yep, was because yep. where I was we were feeling the outflow almost because when I stepped outside, I was actually grocery shopping, and I could feel the wind rushing from west to east, which was most definitely associated with part of the outflow boundary on some of those cells, um, even that far away, just because they had so much power in them. And it seems like uh, Sussex and Kent have been the ones dealing with those bigger cells over the past couple of days, just easier to break their uh, little capping inversion, as opposed to here, where we've kind of 
scathed it off for now. Right. But, yeah. Well, to get to get everybody's bearing straight here, what Jake was mentioning with the MCV, basically uh, kind of set the table here for what happened Monday. We had a large supercell move across central portions of Delmarva, um, originating on the other side of the bay, in, uh, south of Washington, D.C., southern Maryland, in the southeastern suburbs of D.C., and an MCV, a mesoscale convective vortex, it's like a leftover circulation from convection or thunderstorms from many hours previous. And it's just this area of rotation that kind of meanders along in the atmosphere. You don't think anything of it because it barely shows up even on the satellite picture, but it could be a trigger for very strong thunderstorms. And that rotation allows for any thunderstorm to develop to uh, take on some rotation and possibly become tornadic. What we saw was a large supercell what it looks like it formed around that MCV. And it, if anyone was watching the radar, it had a cyclonic look on the radar. Almost mm. a, a few viewers told me it looked like a mini hurricane on the yeah. radar image coming in off the bay, uh, affecting Talbot County first, Tillman Island. If you've taken a look at some of the pictures uh, on Facebook, uh, they were hit really hard. And it looked like, as Jake was saying, as you were saying, downburst winds. They measured 84 miles per hour at a station there in Tillman Island before I believe it lost power. Mm. So that, that's an incredible amount of wind. There were pictures of boats thrown up everywhere uh, on, the, on the decks and uh, lots of trees that were down. I saw a couple videos there of the storm coming in and it was definitely a scary time for them. And then as that storm moved inland, and I uh, encourage people to go on my Twitter feed to take a look at this and also my Facebook page, the amount of lightning, and I had a screenshot of this, the amount of lightning out of this storm, wasn't it crazy? Yeah, I had to show it this morning as well because I thought you were joking, and then I saw the picture. I've never seen that much lightning, and I thought yeah. it might have been a mistake with the data, but looking at, uh, you know, going back and looking at it, kind of conferring with a few other meteorologists regionally, you know, we were looking at, there were some estimates of four to nine seconds, uh, or I'm sorry, four to nine lightning strikes per second. That was the rate. Mm. And think about that for a second. Four to nine strikes per second at one point. And that picture that you showed yeah. um, that I had there, that was a five-minute cross-section of lightning strikes. Mm. And there were so many lightning strikes that it covered up the reflectivity. You couldn't see the storm on the <laughs> radar picture. I had to take the lightning yeah. off just to be able to track this thing on TV when we had the tornado warning. Mm. That was just that much lightning with it. Incredible uh, electrical or electrified storm that was coming in. We had a couple pictures of a wall cloud. Um, that's usually the precursor to a tornado um, and very typical in a supercell thunderstorm. Um, uh, storm chaser Kyle Brochett sent me a photo. He was impressed in Maryland and Caroline County right before the Delaware border. And then we had the picture from Jordy Clark, morning anchor mm -hmm. Jordy Clark, who was looking at the storm from her angle in Sussex County. And you could see kind of that uh, circulation, rain wrap circulation, a wall of water mm -hmm. essentially moving in her direction. So. Um, we had some perspectives on that storm as it moved through. So far, the only damage uh, outside of Tillman Island, there are some trees that were snapped, I know, in the Preston area, just outside of uh, Federalsburg, too, near Herlock, kind of that area there near the Delaware border, uh, Dorchester slash Caroline County, that area got hit pretty hard. Uh, there was some flash flooding with that storm. But um, it, it was definitely an interesting evening across Delmarva. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it was like I kind of did actually i know i'm contradicting myself i did fall asleep for like 30 minutes woke up checked the radar i was like oh. hey man you, like, you you were supposed to be asleep anyway yeah, so i don't I know, blame you I for was, that i was yeah but uh it was interesting and then like you said like jordy was also telling me this morning that she kind of felt the winds blowing towards the storm which suggested that there was a little bit of an inflow yep. even if it wasn't rotating like a regular tornado there's still the storm was pulling in wind and 
because it, it had sort of that vor- vortex in it helping it with the broad it had itself. a circulation it, it, yeah it. yeah and that's what helps give it that um what hurricane like i guess feature on the radar almost and the storm was a really uh lot of that's lightning i guess just with all of our instability and we had that cap that we didn't really break the day before and a lot of that instability helped to create such a lightning show and electrify it even more also too i think crossing the bay really helps fire these a little bit more electrically um charged storms just because you're getting so many more ions back and forth on that it's good perspective yeah i think just with the extra water and then plus like we kind of had a day where we were supposed to get some storms but it was more northern and you can see throughout the day dover was running um cooler and a little bit less a little bit less humid because they were i think they undershot what i had their highs for uh yesterday a little bit just by a degree or two but still it was subtle um but you could see they were the ones who got the storm a little bit more northern there and you there was, I guess, more energy in Sussex and Caroline counties as it crossed, and then it kind of ate that ate up that cape as it uh, propagated across into the bay, and then it jumped and did the same thing in uh, Jersey when it crossed over too. That's right, I saw that. And you're mentioning cape, and for those listening, cape is uh, it's a term that we use here in the meteorological uh, realm of things, and it's basically convective available poten- potential energy, mm. essentially the energy that the storms need yeah. to fire and our Cape values, when you talk about anything over 1,000, it's pretty decent. You get over 2,000, yeah. that's a lot. And we were running pretty high. Yeah, when I checked in the morning, at least, checking a couple of the models, there were 2,000, mid-2,000s for inland parts, especially Georgetown has a lot of fuel. Those inland parts of Delmarva heat up so much that, because I've learned that in my short time, that I always got to go a degree or two warmer inland because it's always going to overperform whatever the models say. Georgetown's a great example yeah. that that airport um, typically is our hottest spot on Delmarva, mm-hmm. um, even more so than Salisbury. And, um, you know, even though Georgetown might be a little further east towards uh, the ocean, it's still further enough inland that it has that property of, uh, or those properties of the inland heating. And they're usually the recipients of the hottest weather. Yeah, it's been a nice little forecasting digest with the temperature so far. I feel like I've got my grasp on that. But with the uh, supercells that we've seen, or not, I guess this is really the first one, but a lot of the precipitation has been interesting with the bay interaction because when it comes over and hops over the bay, you never know if the bay is going to kind of eat it up or fuel it more. It's kind of just like dependent on the wind of the day also will help. And this time of the year, too, it's a shallower water, the bay, than the ocean, so it heats up so much quicker. Yeah. warmer the temperatures are, uh, the less impact, obviously, the warmer the water temperatures, the less impact, negative impact it's going to have on the storm coming across. So, And I've noticed that when we get into the hotter months, um, the bay does nothing Mm. to slow these down or weaken them. Um, Early in the season, the spring, typically you'll see that when the waters are still cold, you'll have some severe weather try to cross over from Lake Annapolis, for instance, Mm. and you can see the storm die out as it hits the cool waters, and we're not seeing that anymore. Yeah, the bay's been uh, running, obviously, because I'm doing the uh, the marine forecast and the the temperatures, so I'm pretty well versed right now with that and the the tides as well. But uh, the temperatures, yeah, they've been uh, up around 80 in the bay, so plenty of fuel there, but you can see even today in the Atlantic after the storms moved through it cooled it. the atlantic was at 74 75 degrees yesterday and i came in today and it was only 70 71 so a lot of that upwelling with this storm yep. just because the deeper body of water cooled it off for uh just in time for the holiday weekend unfortunately but i'm not sure if it's unfortunately with uh, how warm it is here right now and uh 
maybe it's a good thing that it went down a couple degrees, yeah, cooled I, off a little bit. I think that uh, is helping people cool off just yeah. a little bit. And uh, you mentioned the holiday weekend. We're in July here. Um, the extended holiday weekend, I know everybody is looking at this as a holiday weekend that goes through Tuesday. Those of you downloading and listening here on a Wednesday, I hope you had a great 4th of July. And we were uh, happy to be able to at least look at our 4th of July forecast and know it was going to be a lot quieter. But now going into the early days of July here, what we usually expect for this time of the year. I think we're right on the money. We're a couple degrees above average with our high temperatures, but nothing certainly anywhere close to record breaking. But the high humidity, just a little extra, a bit of an extra punch in the gut, if you will, because we had such a dry end into spring and even start to uh, summer. When I say dry, like really low dew points. So this is kind of a catch up, I think, to what we've been missing for most of uh, June. And uh, now going into July here, taking a look at some of the numbers. Yeah, for sure. And when I first started, I think my first two weeks, we had dew points in the 50s, which is very, for those of you at home, it's very dry, very more of a winter almost uh, dew point Yeah, it's feel. exceptionally dry. Yeah, very. This time of the year. We probably needed a little bit more water in the atmosphere, and we've uh, been overcompensated now. So now we're running, I think yesterday we were running mid-70s, probably upper 70s down the beach. I saw a couple numbers at the beach might have been close to 80s almost and that's That's tropical basically yeah caribbean tropical (laughs) weather and it's uh yesterday was really bad but seems like this week we'll have a nice couple nicer because it's all relative when the dew points are still in the upper 60s 70s it's still uncomfortable but when you've been dealing with those tropical ones it's making it feel a lot better now like even today me and you both agreed it feels way better but in reality those dew points are still really high. high and uh, manageable yeah manageable <laughs> and yesterday actually we were we were five degrees off our uh, record when i uh, showed the almanac this morning but we felt like way past our record with those heat indexes and that's what those dew points do like we're running below right around average i would say for the highs but well above average for the lows right now just because the lows we've been having mid 70s again tonight mm-hmm. even with a little bit drop of the dew points i think i had it at 71, 76 for tonight for most of the region. So another mild, very humid night, but it's still going to feel a lot better than last night. And even two nights ago when I was coming in at two in the morning, it was uh, 84 degrees, felt like 80, 86 at two in the morning. That's the danger with the 24-hour heat cycle when we get into the humidity of these heat stretches. We don't cool off at night. Your dew points are in the 70s. You're not getting below the dew point Mm. with the temperature. So you know, we'll show a temperature uh, for a low, let's say, uh, let's say the low tonight's going to be 73. Well, the low temperature typically happens right before sunrise, right around that time. So that means all night is spent cooling down to 73, meaning that midnight, 1 a.m., like you're talking about, we're still in the 80s in mm-hmm. some cases. And that's, uh, that's very tough on, on your body, especially for those in Delmarva that don't have air conditioning. A lot of places around here don't have air conditioning or they have poor HVAC units. Um, Uh, that don't perform well cooling the air when it has this much water in it. Um, And I think that's key to remember too. And as you know, just trying to run the AC in your house or running a window unit, much tougher to cool off the room when it's humid versus when it's more of a dry heat. So um, getting into July here, one of our hottest months, if not the hottest month of the season. Um, So typical for us, but trying to get used to it and taking a look at the next couple of weeks, I would say, I know, uh, you know, from what you're taking a look at this morning, you probably would agree, at least over the next seven days, there isn't going to be much change 
Um, maybe a decline in some of our temperatures during the day by a few degrees, but the humidity is still going to be with us. Yeah, and we're going to get a break from the humidity, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, these like next two-ish, three days. Right, But then this weekend drop. is like soupy. Uh, again, even though our temperatures are going to be three or four degrees cooler around upper 80s instead of the low 90s, it's almost going to be worse because the dew point or the feel of the temperature is probably going to be running almost 8, 10 degrees above what it actually is just because it's going to be mid-70s dew points again, that tropical uh, feel. And that's why I kind of always have been showing the dew points and kind of using that as a precursor. And I show the feel. I've been going with showing the feel temperature because it's that's more what we're feeling um, and what people experience on the body. Um, and that's something I think that's important that people know that they're going to be experiencing heat like they're going to be reacting like they're dealing with 100-degree heat. And that heavy feel in the air is very taxing especially people who have respiratory issues too and like you said trying to cool it down with all this moisture in the air there's not much of a change in the next seven days it's kind of we're finally in our summer pattern it just took a little extra time to get here and we should have been more humid for a couple yeah for a while since i got here but we were spoiled with those 50s in the dew points and now we're sitting very tropical here very uh uncomfortable and, and you know, the trade-off, too, um, was to get rid of the smoke. And that's something we've been dealing with when we haven't had these humid days. And uh, that's going to be the interesting thing going for the rest of the summer, how much more of the smoke are we going to have to deal with when we get these breaks from the humidity. Now, I know the next couple of days we're not going to have to worry about any wildfire smoke coming in, but eastern Canada wildfire several weeks ago brought us some very thick smoke here in Delmarva. Central Canada, or at least uh, more, you know, out west in Ontario, more towards central Canada, wildfires in those locations brought us some smoke just uh, as recent as uh, several days ago. But what we're seeing here and what we may have to deal with in the east coast for the rest of the summer is, uh, you know, we have southerly winds. That's when we get the really high humidity, all that Gulf moisture, Atlantic moisture moving in our direction. That helps to keep any of that smoke at bay, keeps it north of the area, keeps, uh, keeps us basically clear of that. But when we get into a northwesterly flow behind a cold front that brings in the cooler, drier air, that's when we start to see the smoke arrive again. And I'm just reading a couple blogs and some outlooks here for the summer. And the consensus is that a lot of the eastern third of the United States will have to basically sit in this smoke every several weeks or every couple weeks. When you get a break from the humidity, that's going to be the trade-off again. So this is going to be kind of a nasty summer, I think, across the area however way you look at it. You were talking about respiratory issues. You know, we're dealing with the smoke. That's uh, one type of issue out there for air quality. But then the high humidity um, also makes it dangerous to be outside. So very difficult here, uh, I, I think, for the next couple of months from an air quality standard. Yeah, and then with that smoke, like you said, once we get that northwesterly flow, that's really going to be basically it's a conveyor belt, like you yep. mentioned, of smoke and debris from whatever is burning, not just trees. It's everything's in the air. You got way more pollutants because you never know what's actually burning out there. And this year, I think I saw it was one of the worst Canadian wildfire season. So there's that accompanied with our own risk, even around us. I know New Jersey's already had some issues. And if we were to if you're going to make the air quality worse there, it can affect us here, especially we get a like northwest flow. We get a northwest flow, plus if there's already some issues in Jersey, um, it could really damper the air quality. I know even just doing a couple of those Ohio weathers, I've been having to deal with a lot of the smoke still as well for our sister station 
out there, and that's been a part of the challenge. And it's kind of capped. It's another thing with that smoke is it'll cap you at your uh, lows again, sort of like the humidity, just because you're insulating. There's more insulation in the atmosphere. It's not good insulation. It's not good insulation, no. but it, it's almost acting the same as those dew points, where it's kind of trapping the heat and kind of heating it up way more but it's the trade-off with that like you said i would rather take the humidity rather than because i know the last time we had those uh pollutants from western canada i even felt some it felt some like just nastiness in my throat and the air quality was really uh that was actually pretty bad compared to the last time i mean last time was pretty bad as well but this time the previous one was a little bit more I felt it myself yeah it was it was difficult to deal with and one thing with the high humidity days at least if you can avoid peak heating um, it's safer to be outside in the morning later in the evening at night versus during the smoke situation even after it rained the low levels of the atmosphere we still had the smoke around and it didn't matter what time of the day you were outside it was essentially like breathing in as if you were smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I know I went for a run when that smoke started several weeks ago uh, when we were really uh, kind of taking in that uh, data from the model as those eastern wildfires started up in Canada. The model, data's weren't, model data wasn't really showing a lot of where the smoke was going yet because it hadn't ingested uh, some of that data. So we kind of didn't really know it was going to be as thick as it was uh, during the onset. And I remember being out in that and I felt my throat all yeah. the way into the evening, into the next day. It was, it was um, uh, kind of eye-opening on how dangerous that air quality could be. Yeah, and then putting it in perspective, we weren't even under the uh, purple code. I forget what the exact That's terminology right. is for that, but that was what New York was in. So the I higher end imagine, air quality alerts. Yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine what those were like it there. It looked apocalyptic we, Yeah, there. We, we were only in uh, the moderate or unhealthy for just unhealthy designation. Mm-hmm. I've gotten pretty good at memorizing those now <laughs> uh, since we've, I've been dealing with a lot of smoke since I've gotten here. Um, surprisingly, I mean, it's not totally surprising, but we've, it's kind of, like you said, going to be a reoccurring issue throughout the rest of the summer, especially as we probably are going to start drying out some other spots as we go through the hot, typically the hottest month on the North American continent. And I'm sure there'll be some areas that will be dealing with some drought conditions. We could even see some smoke from Colorado or California. We've seen it before, just maybe not the air quality issues where in Canada it kind of lines up perfectly with that jet and kind of just shoots the air right on over to us so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple weeks like you said if we're going to get a break from the dew points if it's going to shift back into that wildfire just kind of conveyor belt of that smoke and debris back over here because they're still burning out there right now too so and they're burning um at historic rates for canada while the western wildfire season here in the united states has actually been abnormally quiet and uh, there is some concern that that is going to change here yeah. in the near future. So that's something that uh, clearly we'll have to uh, keep an eye on uh, for our own air quality here. But unfortunately for the folks out west, uh, that may mean some big problems here as we get later into the summer season. But uh, man, we've got a lot going on here in Del Marva. We recapped a pretty busy past couple of days, but hopefully everybody out there had a great 4th of July uh, extended holiday weekend. And looking forward to some uh, nice beach days coming up, even with the high humidity and the chance for storms. And I'm sure this time next Wednesday, we're going to have a lot more to recap here with our weather here on Del Marva. Always a fun time for meteorologists out here as uh, we've got a lot to look at this time of the year. So thank you for downloading and streaming once again for another edition of WeatherWise for myself and meteorologist Jake Grant. This is WeatherWise, as I've mentioned, the podcast from the meteorologist here at 47 ABC, WMBT. We'll talk to you next Wednesday.